I, I've just kind of had something on my heart this morning, and, and I just, I just want to share my heart with you. I just want to give you a, a piece of, of what's been burning in me. So let's jump into the scripture this morning. The Bible says in Luke 1, 26 through 33, the, it says this, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and, and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Don't, don't, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you will name him Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. I love it. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, his kingdom, and his kingdom will never end. What a moment in time. What a moment in time when Mary heard this news and when the, our, our Savior was born. It's a message that has been preached on throughout history over and over with as, as many catchy titles as I know, right? It's been, been preached on over and over and over again, but, but at the time, it it wasn't what the people want. It wasn't what the people thought it was, was going to happen. Like we, we know now and we understand it now, but at, at this time, there, there was a lot of uncertainty. There was, a, there was, there was a, a, mis, a misunderstanding of what God wanted to do and what he was coming to do. Because this, this really wasn't what we know now. This really wasn't what the people were waiting for. The long-awaited moment of the Savior being born for centuries. And scripture had told of it in the Old Testament. And the people were waiting the, the overthrow of Rome, waiting for a conqueror that would come and overthrow Rome and make everything right again to rectify the evil that had been done to the nation because he didn't fit this mold, right? Baby Jesus came. He, he, he didn't fit the, the mold that, that scholars and the really smart people at that time were saying that he was supposed to be. They missed it. Missed it. He didn't, he didn't really look the right way. He didn't, he didn't come in the right way. He didn't, he didn't do the right things according to what we, what, what we think he's supposed to be doing. He really didn't do the, the right things for us. Missed, they missed arguably the greatest moment in history to that moment, to that time. Listen, the king, the king of the universe, right? The Bible tells us that he was there in the beginning, that he is God. He was with God. He was there, the king of the universe, the king of kings and the Lord of lords humbled himself to be a seed in a woman's belly to come into this world as everybody in this room and everybody watching me has. He humbled himself from the throne of heaven to come in, to do what we did. He walked on this earth as we did. He hungered just like we did. He struggled just like we did. He thirsted just like we did. He did the things that we did. He had to go to work just like we did. He left all the splendor and the might and the majesty. He could have he came and with, with trumpet sounds and just a huge uproar and let everybody know. But, but if we read the story, if you know the story, just a few shepherds knew and some kings came. He came for that. I had to adjust it. I'm sorry. He came for a purpose. He came in the form of a baby. And he walked just like we did. And just like we do, he, he lived the way we lived. 
I, I believe this. I believe that Jesus came to lead us to the understanding that we can too. Don't you get that? Like Jesus came to lead us in the understanding that we can too. He came in the form of, 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 in our image, in the form of us, so that we can see that we can do 100% God, 100% man, doing great things, 100% the lion, and 100% the lamb. Came to do, came to be the example for us to walk in that way. Because the truth that we know now in this, in, in this moment is, that moment was all about the cross. We, we understand that now, that, that the, the whole point of this was the cross, the opportunity for humanity to be redeemed, the bridge to bridge the chasm between us and a glorious father and a holy father. Scripture said that Jesus came to, and he gave everything, he gave it all to give us life and life to the full. Jesus led this example of obedience to the Father. He, he gave us this example of what obedience looks like, about how, how, how to humble ourselves before him. Right? Do, you, do you know that, that because he did what he did, the, our Christian life, Christianity is all about Jesus. Right? I, the, our worship this morning was all about Jesus our speaking from, from the word is, is all about Jesus. Church is all about Jesus and our lives should be all about Jesus. He is the king. He is not elected. He cannot be dethroned. He is the king. And, and that's the king that we surrender to. That's the one who we live our lives for. That's the one who, who girds us and, and surrounds us and assures us that we can proceed, that we can make it through. And he desires for us to be so united to him that it changes the world. Church, he calls us to be so united that it changes the world. The actions that we show each other, the way we love one another, the way we intercede for one another, the way we lift each other up, he says that is what's going to change the world. Did you know that that's why, that's why we're named One Chapel? It came from the scriptures in John 17, verse 20. And I want you to just listen to me here. I just want you to hear this. Jesus is praying over his disciples. And he says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Somebody say, that's me. Uh, yeah, that's you. you he, he's th he was thinking about us. I'm praying for all those who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, and you are in me, Father. I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe. May they be one so that the world will believe you sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. 
we have some work to do. Church, we have some work to do. I've had something stirring in my heart for, for, a, a, few, uh, for a little time now that this is what's gonna change the world. The way we love one another, the way we are united, the way we serve one another in serving God. There's something so, so small. And, and, and I know it's, it's, it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around. How, how can something so, so just kind of small, something maybe even private, how can that change the entire world? Because when we do that, the power of God is involved in it. And it doesn't matter how small or where it's done or who sees it. When God is involved in it, it changes people's lives. That's, that's just the simple truth of, of everything that we do. We, we have to understand that God is calling us to complete surrender. If our resemblance, our lifestyle of the humility that Jesus left us with, it's our, it's our responsibility that gives us the grace that we need to love one another in a way that will change the world. Paul, Paul asked a few questions of, of, of the church of Philippi about this in Philippians 2. He says, is there any encouragement for belonging to Christ? Any comfort? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are, you, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Church, is our heart tender and compassionate? The Bible says, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. The Bible says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And don't miss this right here. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave to, and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. That is the gospel. <laughs> that is where the power lies. If you ever wondered what your life should look like, underline, underline Philippians 2, 6 and through 8. That's what your life should look like. That's what we should be aiming for. That's what we should be walking in. It's the gospel. If we call ourselves followers of Christ, this is what we should be aiming for. It can never be about us. It can never have selfish ambition in it. It was never meant to be about us. It's all about Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Jesus. And listen, we may, we not, we may not be fully in Revelation right now, but we're definitely not in Genesis. <laughs> Some of you hear me? <laughs> we, may, we may not be in Revelation fully right now, but we're definitely not in Genesis. What I'm telling you is, is time is short. 
<laughs> what, what I'm telling you that, that church, this is, this is the time where we need to step up and start, start walking in who Christ has called us to be. He has equipped us to do this. So I'm, I'm challenging you this morning to step up, step in, let the Holy Spirit do. He's already started doing something in our hearts. Let him do what it is that he wants to do. We are to be clay in the potter's hands, to mold and to shape as he desires, as he wants us to be, and then to be poured out, to pour out everything that he has poured into us, to have a pure heart, to have a clean heart. Have you ever prayed that? Have you ever said, Lord, give me a clean heart. Lord, purify my heart. Align my desires and my motives up with you. David did. He did it in the pit of his despair when he had fallen into lustfulness. He, he cried out to the Lord in Psalms 51. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. God, God, God not only desires for us to cry out, Lord, create in me a pure heart. Lord, change my heart, but also to submit and surrender to the purification process. To submit and surrender to his refining fire to surrender all that we are, everything. Not just to, not just to quote, to quote the, the, the Great Commission, but to live it out. Right. <laughs> not, not just, to, not just to, to, to quote scripture, but to, to embody it. To, to be the, the, the tangible expressions of God's love and God's mercy, of God's grace, of God's forgiveness, of God's understanding, of God's acceptance, of God's truth. I know some of you may be saying, thinking this morning, <laughs> Pastor, you know, that, that may be for you, but uh, you know, I, don't, I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm ready for that. I don't, I don't really have the words to, to, to say to my family. I wish I did, but I, I, that's, that's not really who I am. I, you, don't, you don't really know what I've done. Or, or man, I, I, wish, I wish I had the words to speak to my coworkers or, or my friends. Listen, I, I started this morning by saying Jesus was born in a manger, he came just as we came. He came in the most common way possible. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was born in, in, a, in a cave next to some animals, and he was laid in a manger. And although we, we understand now, we, we, we know where the story ends up, right? We, we understand that his name, that the name of Jesus is above every other name and is the name by which we claim everything that he gives us. We understand that. And Philippians 2, 9, it tells us that. But in the time of Jesus, when he was born, do you know that Jesus' name was just as common as, as David? It was, it was just as common as, as, you know, like Chad or, or, or Jose. <laughs> there we go. Now you're with me. <laughs> yeah, got, a little, got a little sister there. Hey. <sighs> Woosa. It, it was a common name. A common name just like Jermaine. It, it, was a, it was a common name. Listen, I believe, I believe he, he did that so that we can be assured he knows exactly what our struggles are. He knows exactly what we fight with. He knows exactly what we carry. He understands it. He understands completely how you feel. 
to be sitting in a church service and feel like you're still in bondage. To have come through a worship service and you, and you still feel the weight of the sin that you've, that you've been a part of. To hear about you are, you are, there, there is no blood that can wash me white as snow like you, Lord. And yet still feel blemished, still feel dirty. He understands it. He understands that weight unequivocally. He understands it all. Because that's where he started. Because he's walked through this. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that he was tempted in every way. He knows what it's like. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Rest assured that Jesus knows. He knows it all. And not only does he know it all, he is able to heal it all. And set you free from that grass this morning. Listen, I, I know what that's like. I, I understand what it's like to even stand here and preach. I, there, was a, there was a time in, in mine and Christina's life where we were, we were, man, we were active. We were doing everything. We, we were doing everything that we thought that God was calling us to do. We were, we were working in the church just about every day of the week. Our kids felt like the church was home. And that's, that's, that's all we did. And we worked and we worked hard and we worked diligently. But there was a point in our lives where we were empty and we said, we said to each other, God, there's got to be something more to this. There's got to be something more than just showing up and doing all these things and, and just not really feeling the spirit of God, the presence of God in our lives. Not really feeling directed, not really fe- understanding uh, uh, his will and his way and having vision for what he wants us to do. I understand that. And it took surrender. It took me to surrender what Jesus really wanted me to do to get out of being busy at church and walking in the will of God. Those are two different things. It took, it took, it took me to understand that I was okay with the hours that I was given to, to God, but he wasn't. Sometimes we think that, that it's okay for the, for the two hours that, that we give on Sunday and maybe another two hours on Wednesday services. But listen, Jesus wants all 168. He wants every hour of the week. I was okay with working at the church at times and, and, then, and then choosing what, what I wanted to do with my life. But listen, Jesus wanted my ambitions and my career. He, he wanted all of it. For a long time, I was okay with, hey, Lord, I'm going to give you my 10%. Don't, don't tell me how to, how to spend my 90. <laughs> Lord said, you're almost there, but not quite. <laughs> Lord said, no, I want it all. What are, you, what, are you, what, are you, what are you saying, David? Like, what are you saying? Like, like I, I can't, you're saying God wants it all. I, I, can't, I can't go out. I can't, I can't go out on a date with my, my family, my, my wife. I can't, can't take my kids to go play baseball or go, go do their extracurricular activities. You, are you saying that I can't have those times to do that? I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't have that. I can't just give my 10% and, I, and just to do my, with my 90 what, what I want to do. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is what I want you to understand is I'm going to tell you that Jesus wants it all. 
He wants you to go, to go on dates as a man. He wants, you to, he wants you to be a good husband, a good father, a good son, a good brother, a good friend. He wants us, as, as, as women, he wants you to be honorable, noble, and a good wife, and a good sister, and a good mother, and a good friend. He wants, he wants all those things from us. But what I'm telling you is that he wants to be involved in everything that we do. He wants, he wants for him to be the starting point of why we do. He wants to be the why of what we do. When, when we, before we do anything, we check with him. Why? Because he's the king. Why does, why does he deserve that? Because he's the king. Why does he get that? Because he died for it. You guys come up and help me finish this morning. I'm telling you that he wants to be involved in every part of your life to the point where you're not even thinking the way you used to think anymore because God is starting, because the spirit of God is starting to influence the way you think. You're not even speaking the way you spoke before because God is starting to influence the words that are coming out of your mouth. You're not even, you don't even have the same desires that you had before because God is starting to influence everything that is coming out of you. You you almost don't even recognize yourself because the imprint of God is so deep and so strong that all you see is him. That is who God is calling us to be. That is, who, that is who God wants from us. They falsely accused him. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They wrapped him, they tied him to a post, and they whipped his back. And I heard somebody say this, and it was so amazing. The truth of the matter is they didn't even have to tie him to the post because he would have held on for us. That's what, I, that's what I said too. Understanding, understanding what he went through, they crucified him. They put him in a tomb. He died. They put him in a tomb. But on the third day, a scripture says, he rose in again with accordance to scripture. He rose with power and authority. Listen, God wants, God wants everything from you. He wants you to give it to him. He wants, he wants your identity. He wants your dreams. He wants your ambitions. He wants your relationships. He wants, he wants your sexuality. He wants your day life. He wants your nightlife. He wants your secret life. He wants your hurts. He wants your wounds. He wants your struggles. He wants what you're wrestling with, what you feel like you've been carrying. He wants that secret that you can't tell anybody else and you've been carrying it. And that the enemy has been beating you over the head with it. Zach, Zach said it this morning, where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. Church, we have the opportunity to walk in freedom. But it takes surrender. It takes surrender. And not just us surrendering what we have, us submitting everything that's behind it. God, I say, I surrender all these things. I surrender all this, this, this ugly stuff, Lord. Yeah, okay, Lord, I'll, he'll take that. But then he also wants you to submit the good stuff that you're planning. He wants you to submit everything to him. Why? Because he died for it, because he deserves it. <laughs> 